Thank you, Colton. So, hey, we're in a series we're calling Generous. Now, last week, Pastor Lee kind of walked us through one of the warnings that Scripture gives us regarding uh, something called the love of money, or uh, just this would just be making money more important than people and especially more important than God in our lives. And one of the things I love that Lee did is he kind of pointed out that, you know, how we handle money is really a reflection of what is or is not in our hearts. So it's really, God doesn't need our money. What he needs is our devotion. He needs our hearts. And sometimes what can happen, we're going to see that here, is money can get kind of tied to our hearts, tethered to our hearts, and prevent us from being generous. And so Lee concluded with a warning. I want to show it to you one more time. It's 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 because this tells us why it's so important to talk about money in church. Here's what it says. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil and by craving it some have wandered away from the faith and pierce themselves with many, many griefs. So I want you to know a couple of things. Notice that, first of all, money is not the problem. Money is neutral. Money is just a tool. It's just an object. But what, what, what can happen when money becomes tethered to our hearts, when we begin to love money more than we love God or more than we love people, uh, that's the problem here. It's the love of money. And this verse literally says that the love of money can cause you to wander from simple faith and trust in Jesus. That the love of money can quite literally cause you to be written right out of the story of God. I don't know about you, but for me, that's a scary proposition because I'm just as tempted as anyone else to get wrapped up in all my stuff and all my possessions, right? And, but then, here's something that's equally just as powerful. Today, we're going to kind of see the flip side of that. We're going to see very powerfully how generosity can actually write us into the story of God. And we're going to take note of the amazing things that happen when ordinary people are generous with just with the things that God has given them. Now, I want to say first that I am indebted to a teacher by the name of Louis Giglio for part of what I'm about to teach on this passage. I actually listened to a message that Louis had given on this story, and God used that message to open my mind to the incredible truths that I'm about to share with you. And so this passage, Matthew 21, is sometimes called the triumphal entry because Jesus the king is getting ready to enter Jerusalem to do the greatest thing in the history that the world has ever known, and that is he is going to die for the sins of the world, your sins and my sins. And so as he's going into town, he tells two of his disciples, I want you to go into the village, and when you get there, you're going to find two donkeys. You're going to find a big donkey and you're going to find a little donkey. I want you to untie the big donkey and the little donkey, and I want you to bring them to me. And this is so fascinating. I mean, so why is it that Jesus can tell them that? I mean, why isn't this stealing? Well, because, here's why, because everything belongs to God. 
Everything belongs to God. Psalm 24, 1, for example, says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everyone on it, it all belongs to him. So when Jesus asks for these donkeys, he's only asking for donkeys that he himself had already created, that he himself had already fashioned, right? And I want you to notice, too, that this isn't a big ask. It's simple. He's just asking this man to offer up what he has. He has a big donkey and he has a little donkey. That's all. And that's good. God can use those. Then he tells his disciples, now listen, if someone tries to stop you, tell them that the Lord needs these donkeys. And so sure enough, the owner of those donkeys does try to stop them. So they tell him what Jesus said, hey, the Lord needs these. So he gives his donkeys to the Lord, a big donkey and a little donkey. And in this story today, we're going to talk about how crazy, how absurd, how insane this concept of generosity really, really is. And the first thing we see in this story is this. This is amazing to me. In generosity, Jesus invites us, you and I, to share in his mission and in his work. Listen, Jesus is God. He needs nothing. If Jesus wanted to, he could have just made a donkey to ride into town. He didn't have to ask this man to borrow his. And to me, the fact that God comes to people that he has made and asks them to give him things that he created and that he himself has already provided is absolutely crazy. Think about this. Jesus would have had every right to tell the guy who thought he owned these donkeys, hey, those are my donkeys. I made them and I'm taking them back. In fact, this is what Jesus eventually says to everybody. Everything you own, everything you have, you have been given those things by Jesus. There is nothing that you or I own that one day we will not have to give back to God. You and I, the truth about all of our stuff, friends, is that we don't get to keep any of it. I want you to think about all the stuff you have, all the stuff you've been given by God, all the stuff that you insure and clean and fix and repair and cut and mow, all of the things that you do. One day, all of that goes right back to God. And let's be crystal clear Jesus did not need those donkeys. He could have come into town on Air Force One if he wanted to. He could have come riding into town on a Ferrari or a Porsche if he wanted to. But he came into town riding a donkey. And so if Jesus could come into town riding on a donkey, some of us should probably get off our high horses, shouldn't we? It's crazy to me that Jesus would ask for anything. He doesn't need to ask for anything. And it's crazy to me that Jesus 
will actually ride into Jerusalem on the back of someone's generosity. I mean, he was king, right? He's king of kings and lord of lords. He could have come being carried by servants on a throne. He could have come at halftime during the Super Bowl if he wanted to. But he didn't choose to come that way, right? Instead, he chose to ask a guy to borrow a donkey and a colt. And on the back of that guy's generosity, I'm going to ride into town. Now, here's what I want you to know. If Jesus is going to ride into Shelbyville, Indiana, he is going to do it on the backs of the generosity of ordinary people like you and like me. I mean, all Jesus asked for was a donkey. I mean, if you've got a Porsche or if you've got a Ferrari, that's great. But if all you have is a donkey, well, Jesus can use that too. The key is that every one of us in this room have to be willing to offer Jesus whatever it is that we have. And I want you to notice, too, that as a result of this guy's generosity, that rippled out and impacted an entire community. We're told a little later that the whole city was shaken up. It was in an uproar. The whole city was stirred. I mean, a donkey owner set off a tidal wave of praise and worship in a city because he just simply offered up what he had. And listen, make no mistake, friends, when Jesus comes riding into a town, he doesn't just show up. He always arrives on the backs of the generosity of ordinary people who just offer up to God who and what they have. And make no mistake, Jesus could have arrived with all the pomp and all the circumstance of a rock star. You know, but he didn't come that way at all, right? Um, Yeah, he just... Jesus rode into town on generosity's back, and because of that, a whole city was turned upside down. And because of that, an entire world is about to be changed and made whole. Now, you know, I've been using this word generous a lot today, but to be true to our story, you could say that our donkey owner wasn't just generous, but that he was generous. I know, but some of you saw what I did there, right? So I know it was mildly inappropriate, I agree. But I do want to say this. We came up with a t-shirt design I think is a winner. I want to show you that. There it is. I think that has t-shirt material written all over it. Evidently you don't, so let's move on. Here's my point. Jesus wants to stir this city. Jesus wants to bless this city. Jesus wants to save people in this city. Jesus wants to heal people in this city. And if he's going to do that, he is going to do it on the backs of our generosity, yours and mine. See, he wants to, Jesus wants to ride into town to waves of praise and worship. You know, he would want everyone in Shelbyville, Indiana to be able to stand up and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's Jesus. He would be called blessed and make no mistake about it, friends. Jesus has blessed us. 
And how is that going to happen? Is it going to happen through great preaching? Well, here, probably not. We don't have the personnel for that, right? Is it going to happen through small groups? Well, maybe it's going to happen through small groups, but mostly it is going to happen through the generosity of ordinary people like you and like me. People who just offer up to Jesus what they have, whether it be little or whether it be much. And it's just crazy to me that generosity actually writes us into the story of God. I mean, we're still talking about this guy's story 2,000 years later because he said yes to giving Jesus his donkey. He is literally written into the next in, into the story. And Lee reminded us last week that while greed writes us out of the story of God, the love of money can cause us to wander from simple faith and trust in Jesus, that generosity does exactly the opposite. And generosity just makes sure that we write a good story for our little town, for our city. I mean, here's a guy who doesn't own a lot. He owns two donkeys. He owns a big donkey, and he owns a little donkey. And he's willing to offer what he has to Jesus. And this is so interesting to me. When Jesus sends his disciples to go get those two donkeys, he says to to them, you're going to have to untie them. And I think for some of us to take a step toward generosity, we're going to have to untie a connection that some of us have to our our possessions, to our stuff. Some of us are going to have to untie some things. For some of us, it might be a car. For others of us, it could be a motorcycle. For others, it could be some collection you have that you're just a little too fond of. I don't know what you may need to untie from your heart in order to begin to move toward generosity. See, this is, this is why we have the graphic that we do. See, for, for men and women to become generous, our resources have to flow right through that heart without getting tied up, without getting hung up on something, without getting caught in there. See, And so we have to ask ourselves the question, you know, what am I so, what am I, what am I attached to? What do I need to untether? What do I need to untie in my life in order to begin to grow in generosity? Because some of us, our hearts are all wrapped up in our resources. And it's preventing us from being generous with God or anybody else for that matter. And it's crazy to me that the Alpha and the Omega chooses to write ordinary people into the greatest story in the universe simply because we offer back to him a portion of that which he has already so graciously given to us. And here's the thing I love about our God. He can take a big gift and use it or a small gift and use it. Jesus commended a widow's might. He used a little boy's lunch to feed thousands of people. Jesus can take a little and he can multiply that and do much. You know, I love this. Sometimes people, they refuse to be generous because they think that their offering won't make any any difference 
This is why if you're here today and you've never given before, and by the way, here's what we know. Now, I don't know that that's necessarily true here, but in the average church in America, 70% of the people sitting in the pews have never given, not one time, ever. 70%. So if that holds true here, seven out of ten of you in this room have never been generous before God or anybody else. And I think that's mind-boggling. And listen, if we're going to shake and stir a city, if we're going to live in a city where people are going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that's going to have to change. It has to. Generosity is not just something that you know we're that let me say this differently generosity is something that every single one of us in the room are called to whether we have little or whether we have much every single one of us are called to this And so that's what I I would say to you. Listen, if you're one of those people, if you're someone who's here and you have never, I would say begin to, you got to take baby steps, right, to get there. The way you begin to grow generosity. So listen, start giving, commit to $10 a week. Forgo a pizza on Friday night. Give up something so that you can begin to grow in generosity. And listen, this isn't about your money. This is about your heart. And I want want better for you than greed and the love of money. Now, so here's the question. If Jesus could have gone into town any way that he wanted to, why did he choose to ride into town on a donkey? I mean, he was riding low into town, right? He rode low into town so that he could be lifted high. Why did he do that? Well, he did it because of prophecy, because of what the Old Testament prophesied. So Zechariah 9, the verse we're about to look at, was written about 500 years before Jesus came. And this was a messianic prediction. So this was a prediction of what the king of Israel would do, what the Messiah of the world would do. And here's what it said. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. This is just another word for Israel. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. He is humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This was a passage about the Messiah. That promise was made 500 B.C., And all those years later, God fulfills that promise because of the generosity of one person, one guy. So here's my question for you. What promise is God going to fulfill here in Shelbyville, Indiana, because of your generosity? Because you offered up to God, not a lot, just simply what you have what might God do in our town because you chose to offer back to him a portion of that which he has already so graciously given to you what might God do here and now through a promise spoken so long ago because of somebody's generosity 
I don't know a lot, friends, but here's what I do know. Jesus wants to ride into town on the back of your generosity. And for that to happen, you're going to probably have to untie some things from your heart, right? But it's crazy to me that every single time we are generous, heaven writes a new chapter into the story of God. And I'll tell you something else that I think is crazy about generosity. You always get back what you give. You always get back what you give, especially when you give in the name of the Lord. See, in this story, this guy got his donkeys back. They didn't crucify the donkeys. They crucified Jesus. That journey that Jesus took on the backs of those donkeys probably took about an hour. And when Jesus stepped off the back of that donkey, he gave those two donkeys right back to their owner. But the reality is that anytime any of us offer anything to God, we always get that back too. Now, it won't happen as quickly Uh, But you get it back many, many times over at the end of the day, at the end of the story. The truth about generosity, friends, is that it opens a doorway to heaven where what we offer to God here in this life gets multiplied back to us in the next life. What I'm saying is this, that you can't take it with you. None of us can. No matter how hard you've worked, no matter how much you have, you can't take it with you. But you can send it on ahead. And the only way to do that, the only way to do that is generosity. You can't hide it away in a savings account. You can't hide it away in a retirement fund. One day it goes right back to God and you don't get a say in the matter. Because it belonged to God in the first place. See? And, you know, maybe giving a hundred bucks to God is a big deal for some of us. But you're going to get that back multiplied several times over. So it's not like you won't see that again. Sometimes people will say, you know, they'll talk about millionaires. Like, well, they gave away a million dollars. No, they didn't. What they did is they offered back to God that which God had so graciously given to them so they could get written into the story of God and so that they would have an eternal inheritance in heaven. It's amazing to me how gracious and incredible our God truly is. And when they do go to heaven, they gain those riches back many times over. So at the end of the day, I think God is asking every single one of us in this room a question. I know he's asked it of me this week. And the question is this, Brad, why are you afraid? Why are you sometimes afraid to trust me and be generous? I got stacks of grace. I got piles of stuff. I got vaults full of cash. I own everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everyone on it. You know, for the past few weeks, I thought a lot about those two donkeys, that big donkey and that little donkey. 
Because one more thing happened because Jesus rode into town on the backs of those donkeys. And it's so important to the story. That is this. God got praise. God got praise. People got caught up in worship. They were saying of Jesus, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And you make no mistake, friends, you and I are blessed because of he who came in the name of the Lord. And so I have another question for you. Who might be praising God next year because you decided to become a generous giver this year? Who will know Jesus next year because of your generosity this year? Who might God bless next year because you gave something this year? You know, the thing that blows my mind about churches, churches are the only organizations on the face of the planet that are not supposed to exist for themselves. They exist for those who aren't there yet. They exist for people that are outside the love of Jesus. They, are, they exist for people who don't have the, uh, the mercy of Jesus. And I'll tell you something else that's just crazy to me about generosity. As much as we've been talking about these two donkeys, this big donkey and this little donkey, this is not just a story about two donkeys and a guy's generosity. This is a story about who was riding on that donkey. You know, donkeys may be stubborn, but they're not stupid. I'm sure at one point in that journey, whatever donkey Jesus was riding on looked at the other donkey and said, Look who's riding on my back! Like the Savior of the world, the creator of heaven and earth is riding on my back. Do the Barney Fife sniff, you know? Like that donkey's big stuff and he knows it because Jesus is riding on his back. I get to transport the Lord of heaven and earth. See, this really isn't a story This is a story about God's generosity to us in Jesus. God gave his son a perfect sacrifice for you and I. Friends, he gave his best. And that ride into town was going to cost our Savior his life. It would lead to his death to his crucifixion, to his burial. But the good news of the gospel is that the grave couldn't hold him. It couldn't. He is risen. And this is why, this is why Paul would comment on what that donkey ride would lead to for Jesus and say these incredible words. Here they are, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Here's what he says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. He introduces the gospel. Now we know he's not just talking about money here, he's talking about far more material riches than just 
money, but he's introducing the gospel, the incarnation of Jesus, to provide you and me with a motive for giving, for generosity. Let me tell you about giving and give you a picture of what giving actually looks like. Look at the Lord Jesus. He was rich. He was in his Father's presence enjoying a communion and a fellowship and a rapport with his Father that goes beyond our understanding and our own ability to relate. His residence was heaven. He had everything. He needed nothing. He was rich. He had all the power and all authority and he laid it all down for you. And for me, he denied himself all of that. He laid aside the splendor of heaven to come to earth. And he was born in a stable. He was born in a barn. And look, don't sentimentalize that. You know, like the Christmas car with all the animals, you know, and the little halo and all that. Uh, no, no. Jesus is going to be born into a place that smells of animal urine and excrement. It is filthy. It is not soft. It's not comfy. You ever tried to sleep on straw? It's absolutely miserable. There was no room for him, for the Son of God, the Savior of sinners. There's no room for him in the end. So he will be born in an outhouse into abject poverty as a peasant. That's where he's born. He was rich, but he became poor. At one point in his ministry, here's what he said of himself. He said, the birds of the air, they have their nests. The foxes, they have their holes. But the Son of Man, he took that title from the book of Ezekiel that talked about the coming Messiah. It was one of his favorite phrases, so he adopted it for himself. So that's code for Messiah. But the Messiah has nowhere to lay his head. Most scholars believe that means Jesus had no home. He was homeless for you and me. As soon as he is born, he becomes a refugee. He has to flee to Egypt. He is abandoned. And one day he will be abandoned by his father in heaven as he slowly asphyxiates on a cross. And he will say these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, he takes the punishment so that you and I might receive the blessing. He was rich, but for our sakes, he became poor. He identified with us. He took our place. He became your substitute, your sin bearer. He took the wrath that sin deserves upon himself so that you and I might know what it's like to be made right and whole with God. He was rich, but for, for our sakes, he became poor. Paul says, look, if you want to know what generosity looks like, Look to Jesus. At the end of the day, this is a story about the generosity of our God, of our Jesus. Jesus came riding into town on the back of someone's generosity so that he could offer his very self. 
And our call, your call, every follower of Jesus' call in this room is to make him known, to lift him high. That is a mission that every single one of us in this room are called to. And it's a part of what that means is that each of us are privileged to invest in the mission of Jesus. Because Jesus always rides into town on the backs of the, of the generosity of ordinary people. Listen, one of the reasons that people should fund the work of a local church is because they want to see their friends and co-workers and family members and students come to know the Jesus that they know. They should want to invest in that. Friends, there is nothing more important in this world than what a man or a woman has done or said about Jesus. Nothing. There's no more important investment you can make than that. So two years ago, we did a campaign. We did the campaign right in the middle of COVID, and we called that campaign All In. And we asked people at that time to give generously and sacrificially so that Jesus could come riding into town. And in just two years, we've already baptized dozens of people because of that generosity. And you just need to hear me say this. Friends, we're just warming up. We're just getting started. We haven't even begun to taste and see what our God is going to do in this community. But because of the generosity of those people two years ago, we were actually able to purchase the bridge, what used to be Shelby Senior Services. And now we run all of our addiction recovery ministries, our food pantries, uh, counseling and support groups. We run all of that out of that location. And I just got to tell you something about that location that I heard that just touched my heart deeply. So the team that serves for Celebrate Recovery, they meet on Thursday nights. And they said, you know what? Thanksgiving is on a Thursday, but we're not going to let Thanksgiving stand in our way. We're going to serve a meal and we're going to still invite everybody to come to Celebrate Recovery on Thanksgiving. And 75 people showed up to have a meal together. So that means that everybody that was there that was cooking that meal, they were forsaking time with their family. It means that everybody that was there, they were there because they needed a family. They needed a place to be, right? Uh, so, you know, that purchase, that generosity that's, that's two years old enabled us to make that purchase. It's why we were able to staff the Bridge to Hope house, to help women who recover who are struggling with addiction. And it's why we were just recently able to purchase the building for Shelby Supply. I mean, here's the amazing thing. We've seen God do all this. We haven't even opened Shelby Supply yet. What's God going to do when we get that up and running? But listen, here's the deal. It's awesome that the generosity of yesterday enabled us to do those things today. But here's the truth. If, to, if we're not generous today, we're not going to be able to keep those things open. We may have them open right now, but if we're not committed to investing in those things, all of us, every single one of us, then we won't be able to keep those things open. 
See, every one of us, this is why it's so vital that every single one of us learn how to offer God whether, what, whatever it is that we have, whether it be little or whether it be much. So are you? Are you? Are you invested in making Jesus' name great? Are you on mission with him as a disciple of Jesus, not just with your words, but with your wallet, with your purse? Because if you are not... The danger is that deep in here, you love your stuff more than you love God. And that just leads to grief and tragedy. And I want better than that for you. See, friends, I'm going to land the plane. Jesus is coming to town. And he's coming in like he always does. He's riding in low so that his name can be lifted high. And you and I have to respond to that. We have to be invested in that. We have to be a part of that. Because when Jesus comes to town, those towns always erupt in worship. Those towns are shaken. Those towns are stirred. Those towns are made whole. Those towns are blessed. And in this case, that town is our town. So let me pray for you and for us. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the mighty work that you're doing in our community. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you want to ride into town. And so, God, we offer what we have. We ask you to ride into town on the back of our generosity. And we ask you to, we ask you to turn this city upside down. We ask you to change it. We ask you to love it. We ask you to heal her. We ask you to help her. We ask you to shake and stir her. Do whatever it is that you would want to do. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Hey, so uh, every month we're privileged here to do something beautiful together. And that is uh, we take communion together. So we remember, you know, the crucifixion, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. So the way we do that, you may notice we have two tables here in the front. We have two tables in the back. We want to invite you to come down the two aisles directly in front of those tables to receive. We want to invite you to hold on to that communion. Don't take it. You can come back to your seat through the center aisle or on either side. And then um, we just want to invite you to hold on to that, to just worship, to just be in the moment. And then in the middle of worship, I will come back up and I will prompt you. And we're going to take communion together. Friends, there's tremendous power in together. There's tremendous power in gathering. And so we want to remember Jesus in that moment together. So as you collect it, Again, take it back to your seat and hold on to it until uh, I come back up, okay? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, help us in these next few minutes. Help us remember you well. Help us remember your suffering. Help us remember your death. Help us remember your burial. Help us to marvel at your resurrection. We ask this. In your mighty name, amen.
And so now come and receive. The altar is open.